Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey, everybody. So excited to tell you some news that we have. So we've heard your feedback and <laughs> we are listening. Just know. I hope you know that. So Danae and I have done a bunch of week-long intensive retreats and we've gotten a lot of you reaching out saying, oh, it's so long. Can you do it shorter? Right. Mm. Um, feels like it's a lot of time to get away for some of you and we totally get that. So we've decided to do a condensed version of our retreats and we're going to bring it to you in a weekend. Yeah. You know what I love about this is we go to Idlewild, California pretty frequently and it feels like a retreat escape like into the woods and just like almost like summer camp. It's so much fun. And I love that we decided to sort of merge the work that we do in these intensive experiences with the fun that we have in Idlewild and um, just like being out in this like really beautiful setting together. Totally. So I'm actually going to invite y'all into my home and we are going to have it at my house in my beautiful setting in Idlewild, California, July 14th through 16th. We're going to have a small number of spaces because it is going to be a more condensed version and there's less space than these giant ones that we usually do. So get on it if you're interested. But you know, you know what to expect. If you're listening to this, you know what Danae and I love to talk about. So there'll be <laughs> you all know the good how things. We do. <laughs> you know how we do. Codependency <laughs> recovery, um, interdependence, shadow work. Yes. 
all the things that we love to talk about at nauseum, but we're giving you an opportunity to dive in those deep waters with us and like really get in it in a pretty condensed weekend immersive. Yeah. So if you're interested, there is a longer, more detailed explanation of what to expect uh, at the link in both of our bios, either of our bios. So get on it, y'all. It's going to sell out quick July 14th through 16th in Idlewild, California. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Today, we have a guest that You know, usually I feel like Danae and I will just be served up people on social media, like things will come our way. I think this may be the first person who we found her via her TEDx talk. Is that right? Well, her TEDx talk was on TikTok. Oh, okay. A portion of it. Yeah. Yeah, But I feel like based on conversations we'd been having, I -hmm. sent it to you and I was like, V, you've got to see this woman because I mean, I feel like you'll see when you hear the episode, but it's so in alignment with conversations we've been having recently. Yeah, I've been in a bit of a wormhole. Um, I've talked about it a little bit, but I'm in kind of like the early stages of a new book. And what she talks about is very in alignment with some of the areas that I'm researching. So Mm. today we have Martha Bernard Ray, and she helps outside the box brands build seriously good client relationships with clear, clever copywriting and content. So today we have a copywriter on the show, Mm. which is a little bit, you know, outside our norm. By day, she's the CEO at Word Candy, which is her company and co-host of the One That Works For You podcast. She also moonlights as a feminist scholar, TEDx speaker, and sore loser of board games. We have that in common. Setting Mm. boundaries is her superpower, and her love language is oddly specific TikToks, which (laughs) if I didn't love her Hmm. before, I love her even more now reading this. (laughs) Um, We pulled her in, y'all. She was kind of, like I said, outside the realm of like maybe the normal guests that we would have pulled in, but her Mm. TEDx talk was super powerful. And we mm-hmm. spoke all about ADHD and it's something mm-hmm. that she has really, I guess, become a real strong advocate around, right? Especially like motherhood and ADHD. And um, this is a pretty intense episode. I'll speak for myself, but I guess for you too, we pretty much cried for half the episode. So I don't know, buckle up for that because it was really powerful as far as I was concerned. <laughs> yeah. I think there was so much about Well, first of all, she's just such an incredibly smart, hilarious, like really, really enjoyable guest. I think we both liked her so much and really enjoyed this conversation. But, you know, in addition to that, I think there was so much um, insight that she gave us about how you can just be really close to people and really feel like you understand how they're experiencing the world and not. And Mm. um you guys will hear in the episode how there were many emotional moments for both V and I. But I think to me, the takeaway was like just how much um, we need to like really work to, to drop into attempting to understand one another a little bit more and how we can miss some of like what the people we love are struggling with. If we're assuming that people are experiencing the world the same way that we are, you know? It's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Because it just goes so much further than ADHD. It's, Mm -hmm. it's more thematic. Right. And I think you just totally nailed it. I think that's really what the, the, the crux of this episode is about. It's exactly what you just said. So thank you for saying that so beautifully. So y'all enjoy Martha. She's hilarious. And hopefully we'll be going to Australia to visit her soon, as long as she (laughs) promises to keep the spiders away from us. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. God, the spiders. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Okay, so Danae and I are super excited. Martha, we found you via your TEDx talk, <laughs> which I'm assuming we're not the only people that have ever like reached out in that way, right? You're in Australia. You're halfway across the world from us. Janae found this and was like, yo, you got to watch this. <laughs> and I, like I said, before we got on, was immediately on my email, like, please talk to us. <laughs> let's make this happen. Um, so we always start with all of our guests by really asking, like, the let's go back in history and kind of tell us a bit of the story of, like, how you came to be who you are. I mean, I know you're not necessarily an expert in, like, air quotes, expert in the topic that your TEDx is on, and we'll get to that. But I want to know, like... What is the meandering path, I suppose, that took you to standing up in front of all of those people and doing the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Like, who is this woman who is happy to... <laughs> to be honest, it wasn't supposed to be so emotional. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, I grew up in Canada and, you know... I nailed it, it V. She guessed oh, yeah. it. I heard you yeah. and I was like, she's from Canada. <laughs> she, sure, she sure is. Um, and yeah, just... I, you know, as, as I say in the talk, I had a, you know, a lovely childhood and I was in a situation where like, regardless of whatever challenges I had, you know, I had the parents who had the knowledge and the interest and the skills and the time to support me, right, to be successful. So I had an understanding that I was like worthy of putting time into. And I, you know, there were ways that I could be successful and it's okay to like kind of do things differently. But like, to be honest, I didn't really have that much trouble in school. Um, just with math, like I still don't know my times tables. Um, but yeah, nobody does. Nobody does. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, and like, yeah, I went to university, which, you know, became easier because I was studying the thing that I liked. So, you know, I did an English degree, which was like easy for me because I'm good at like bullshit. And like, all you have to do is like make things make sense together. And with a brain like, like this, that, you know, does divergent thinking and, you know, thinks and kind of constellations, it's easy to go like, oh, how can I relate this literary text to this like stupid movie? Right. So you can, you can find those paths. Um, and then I went to teacher's college and became a teacher. And then I moved to Australia and, you know, did a bunch of things, but it was when I had kids that I was like, this is really hard. Like, I feel like this is harder than it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, you know, and, and also like we live, so we live, Perth, Western Australia is the world's most isolated city. Mm. Um, and we live 450 kilometers or like, I guess 300 miles. I don't know, south of Perth, Western Australia on the coast. Okay. So we're very far away from the whole wide world, including my mom, which that's an <laughs> issue. But like <laughs> we, I was a teacher and my, the school that I worked at was, um, 45 minutes away. And my husband's a, like the paramedic in the place that we live. So it's like all kind of like, is he home tonight? Is he out tonight? Like it's just was just like the worst possible combination for someone who struggles with executive function. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had gone back to work after having my second child. I had a lot of, I don't have a body that like, went particularly well with having kids. So I had, 
I had to have like five surgeries after having kids. And so that was all difficult. And then, you know, I had like go to work and I teach the kids and then you have to come home and like make the food. And I was just like, what? Like, it seems like other people are like having an okay time with this. And I find it really hard. So I was just sort of like, I need to do something else. And that's when I started my copywriting business, Word Candy. Uh And I was like, that must be the problem is like this, this, distance and, you know, I'm not doing something that I really, really want to be doing. So that did help. But then I was working from home Mm -hmm. where like, you know, when you're a teacher, you have, you know, you have 20 minutes to do this thing and then you just do it. And like, it's very different as you probably both know when you're working from home where it's like, I mean, I made up these deadlines. Like we all know (laughs) that there's no real deadline. So I found that really hard, but it was right at the same time that like COVID was starting to happen. And people were all kind of like, it's hard to work from home. And I was like, I guess everyone's having trouble working from home. So you, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of like talk ourselves into or out of, you know, I mean, maybe this is just as hard for everybody. It's probably just like, I'm not trying hard enough or whatever. And I'd be like, I'm going to like read this productivity book and do all this shit and try to like, fix the problem. And then I, yeah, I had a doctor's appointment, which was actually like with a friend who is also a doctor. Cause I also had like ongoing stomach problems and he was just like, like <laughs> and he was like, how do you go with, um, focus and attention? And I was like, oh, not great. You know, I'm kind of like a little bit worried about it. Blah, blah. He's like, what about grocery shopping? I was like, no, I can't do that. And he just had these really gentle, questions. And and it was like a situation where this was like a long consultation. You know, this wasn't a 10 minute situation. It was a long consultation with a GP who knew what he was talking about and knew what ADHD in women looks like mm-hmm. and wasn't just like, it's just for little boys. Right. And so then we had this long conversation and he, at, at the end of it, I was like, do you think I have ADHD or something? And he was like, I mean, I can't diagnose you, but like, you know, mm-hmm. here are the next steps sort of thing. So I was shocked, honestly, because I was like, I used to be a teacher. I know about ADHD, but I had no idea like the scope and like the depth and breadth of the ways it affects my life until I started doing research about it. And I was like, okay, this explains a lot about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Martha, I feel like I want to go back a little bit. And if you would, for people that are listening, um, and you know, Vanessa has a lot more knowledge than I do about ADHD. Um, but just for people who are listening, who don't know what you might mean when you talk about executive function or mm. um, like some of the things that were challenging that you're describing, can you give us some examples of some of the things you were experiencing? Yeah. So, so ADHD, you know, it stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And the, and you know, the things that I'm about to tell you are like things that I have read in books by people who know what they're talking about. They aren't things that I've made up or things that I just think, but it's, mm-hmm. The thing that I've read that really resonates with me is that it's not that we have a deficit of attention. We have too much attention and less ability to regulate that attention. So that's one piece of it. And that's the piece that I think most people think of when they think of ADHD, like that person can't pay attention or that person never stops moving. Right. Mm. So the, the thing, and I take medication for ADHD. So the thing that that does is it allows my brain to file the things that I don't need to pay attention to. 
so that I can pay attention to the thing that I need to pay attention to, right? So there's that. And then there's executive function. And, you know, there are between, you know, eight and 12, depending on who you read or who you talk to, different types of executive function. And those are like the way our brain organizes things to get things done. So it's stuff like task initiation, task completion, prioritization, um, you know, really kind of knowing where to start, what to do next, and then what to do after. But also emotional regulation is an executive function, right? Mm -hmm. So that is also like an issue for me. And I, you know, I'm not like a yelling, screaming mess, but like, I know that I get dysregulated. I have a disproportionate response to lots of things. And so I'm working on that. But that is a really key one. Um, and so I think like for, you know, parents particularly, like I have two kids with ADHD and I'm trying to teach them how to regulate their emotions when I'm dysregulated. Right. So it just, and we trigger each other and it's just like a bit of a shit sandwich sometimes. But yeah, those, so the, the sorts of things like, you know, we're having, we're having guests down and we need to do all these things before they arrive. But like, if I don't know what time they're arriving, I can't like, and I'm just like, I, I know I have to do all these things, but I don't know what to do first. And I don't know what to do second. And then it goes into, there's a lot of shame associated with ADHD mm -hmm. because you have these like, you know, quote unquote failures. And I call them failures. And my husband gets like really stern. They're not failures. I'm like, well, they feel like failures, right? So you have these mm -hmm. failures over the day and over the week and over the month and over the years. And so then when your guests are arriving, but you don't know which time, what time, so you're paralyzed and can't do anything. You're like, of course I'm doing this because I'm a fucking loser. Like it just is just like, yeah. this is what happens to me. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then it just kind of you know, feeds into that like real shame about like, you know, you know that there are things that you can't do that seem really easy for other people. You also know that you're like very smart as well and like capable in other ways. So it's just really confusing. Mm. Um, so that's just like a brief, <laughs> yeah. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really helpful. I, you know, I think one of the things that I, as a therapist, as a mother, I think one of the things that I've struggled with as I have recently in the last year or so gone down my own rabbit hole around ADHD and realizing that I for sure check many, many, many of the boxes. And Danae yeah. and I talk about this a lot, right? You use the term like array of traits in your talk. Like there's yeah. so many traits and mm -hmm. you're not going to check all of the boxes of all of the traits, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. And so I think the struggle is, and Danae and I, we both come from a depth psychological background, which I, I think for depth psychologists, it's a little bit different in that we we tend to be a little bit slower to want to diagnose because a lot of times we'll look at things like depression, anxiety, ADHD, right? What do you think about this concept? Like there's so many traits, right? I guess, I guess where I'm getting to, or I don't even know if there's a question in this or if it's more of just like something I've been thinking about is like, I just feel like if we looked at the array of traits, we've all got it. It's like, it feels like every one of us checks some of these boxes, right? And so where is the line between like, we're all just dealing with this and, oh no, I'm actually diagnosable ADHD, you know? Okay. Um, the reason why I'm doing this is because there's something I want to remember to say. <laughs> the... <laughs> Thing I think that my GP said to me 
that really made me go like, oh, was, um, you know, because you, and he's talking about me, because you are like a high achieving person, you know, you have come up with ways to work around the difficulties that you have. And like, everybody does that. Everybody has difficulties Mm -hmm. and they come up with ways around them. Right. But he said, but when like those things fall apart, it becomes really distressing. And he's like, and when it's distressing, there's so many things we can do to help. Right. So there are traits that are linked to ADHD. And as you know, there are also like diagnostic criteria, right? Mm-hmm. So they they gave me the test and, you know, it was something like you got five out of six on part A and 10 out of 12 on part B and you missed one question altogether. And I was like, how dare you? Like, how very dare you? <laughs> but so that to me was like, okay, right? Like that's pretty definitive. There's a... um Another sort of thing that is like on the tips of people's tongues, I guess, is this other diagnosis of VAST, which is like variable attention, something, something, something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of goes along with like, yeah, like we're all distractible. We're all kind of more distractible than maybe we used to be because of like advertising and phones and our attention spans and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I think with, with, with ADHD, at least in the way I understand it is like, to me, it was like, yeah, I have these, you know, executive function difficulties, which are more numerous and more severe in people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And also there's like a link of like, oh, and that says something about me as a person, mm-hmm. right? So it's that thing of like, I describe it like, you know, my, as I work from home and before I kind of knew I had ADHD and started getting treatment for ADHD, I'd like try to do all the, you know, try to do it right. Like I'd write down the three things that I needed to achieve that day. And I would like light the candle and whatever, like just desperate to try and just be able to get things done. And there were things that I could do and things that I was entirely, you know, able to do and wanted to do. And I would just get distracted and I wouldn't get those things done, but I would get a hundred other things done, Mm -hmm. but you still feel like a bad person because you didn't get those things done. Right. And so those little micro quote unquote failures, I called them at the time kind of are like death by a thousand cuts. So like you either get to the end of the day and you feel like the worst person in the world because you just had these three jobs. And even though you did 70 other jobs, you didn't do that one. So like you have less in your like bowl of resilience to deal with the other executive function challenges that come with like when your kids come home and like they haven't eaten their whole lunch. And so they're like having a meltdown and then you have to make dinner and you have to do da da da. And like, you know, you're interrupted. And I had less in my bowl of resilience to deal with those things. And like, it was distressing. Mm -hmm. So then they were like, okay, we can do something about it. So it's, it's like, yeah, we can all relate to these traits. Um, and I, and I'm going off a little bit here, but I think the, the most difficult thing that I encounter because I, people talk to me about ADHD a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all want to be like, Oh, like I lose my keys. Like we all lose our keys. And I'm like, I'm not fucking talking about losing my keys, Janet. Like I'm talking about 
<laughs> you know, this existential crisis of like, mm. I am trying so hard mm-hmm. and these little, you know, these things keep happening. Right. So it's a, yes, it's an array of traits. There's also a diagnostic criteria, as you know, and, and, and so it, it's quite dismissive when people are like, yeah, you know, I forget things too. Like we're all the same. And I'm like, I'm, you no, know, we're not, <laughs> yeah. but it's it, the other thing I want to say is, um, I really believe that like telling yourself you don't have ADHD is also an ADHD trait. Like it's literally just like, oh, like I'm not that bad at it. Like it's probably just, I just need to try harder. Like that's what it is, right? Like I should be able to do this. And since I should be able to do it, the fact that I can't is like upsetting. And and so my best friend and I both have it. And like, we will do the most ADHD shit ever. And I'll text her and I'm like, oh my God, this just happened. And she's like, you probably don't even have it. And I'm like, I know, I just need to try harder. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. And I think the fact that you talked about the shame feels like a really important aspect to me, Martha, because there's a lot of what you're saying that I'm so struck by. And, you know, as Vanessa mentioned, we're depth psychologists. So there's a lot of like, whatever the, um, the experiences that someone's having. And I I do think Gabor Mate does have ADHD and he talks about it in terms of like, you know, which comes first, chicken or egg. And like, in terms of like the myth of normal and like the trauma response to a society that puts Mm. such an enormous (laughs) amount of pressure um, on us as people, but certainly as women, right? Like you talked about bringing your babies home and saying this is harder than it's supposed to be. You know, what I guess I'm alluding to is while I think the, the diagnoses that we're talking about you know, ADHD in this case are absolutely real. And I think what you just said is really important. I also think there's a lot of ways that whatever the, um, the mental health struggle is, is a lot of times us, you know, from a psyche perspective, being asked to tune into something that is wrong. Like, you know, James Hillman said, depression is psyche's way of saying, um, I refuse to participate in mania. I will not participate in the society moving at this pace. And so it's like, that mental health struggle is sort of asking us to slow down and get real about what we're not looking at societally. And I think there's some of that about what you're describing with the experience of ADHD and that um, there may be some things that we are being asked to tune into, you know, and Vanessa sort of brought up that there's something happening with like how, how, how more often... (laughs) It's not a sentence today. How much um, more often? How much more often? <laughs> Thank you, Martha. Um, no problem. How much more often women post having children are being diagnosed? And I just, yeah. I guess, I don't again know if there's a question in there, but I think it's an interesting thing to be curious about. I have, I have two things to say, and I'm going to definitely forget one of them. So I want to say something about what you said about systems and. Mm-hmm being asked to tune into something that's wrong. And then Mm. can you remind me to go back to the second thing that you just said, which I've also already forgotten? That'd be great. So I think the difficulty is that, okay, I agree. There is something wrong, right? Mm. We live in a capitalist, white supremacist patriarchy And everybody is trying to work in a system 
that was created by and for a group that is like not the majority group. And that is challenging and traumatic and exhausting and impossible. Hmm. So that's one thing. I also think it isn't always productive to say, well, this system is wrong. And the only, the only thing that will fix it is to burn it down, which we all know to be true. <laughs> and because of that, you have to suffer because mm. realistically, we do live in this system. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is unfair that there are all these, you know, neurotypical and, you know, all the other systemic expectations placed on us. And we are not all the same. And also, I believe that it is fine for people to kind of go, this is a diagnosis that, you know, is true for me, that I resonate with, that I am making changes in the sphere in which I have control to try and, you know, calm down and slow down and and all that stuff. But the reality is I live in this system and it, Mm -hmm. I want it to be less painful while at the same time working to burn the whole thing down. Right. So if we're going to burn the whole thing down, we need to be well rested. If we're going to burn the whole thing down, we have to constantly not be in a shame spiral. If we're going to burn the whole thing down, we have to understand that like, you know, we only have so many spoons and like we have to understand how to conserve our energy. So like I, I really do, I really do acknowledge that there is something wrong. I also, as you have said as well, I also acknowledge like this is a real, these are real diagnoses. And, and I also acknowledge like they're based on unrealistic expectations. So, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be like, well, it's just because we medicalize everything. And so, you know, if only we all lived in like a valley and, you know, all we had to do was make flower crowns all day, none of us would have ADHD. And it's like, yeah, if only, but that is not the case. Like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, I think, I don't know. What do you think, Danae? I think that was really well yeah, said. I, I don't I mean, know, I, Danae, what's your thought? I hmm. love that response. And I think that absolutely, like both things can be true at the same time. I think what I was sort of having the curiosity around was the way that you were speaking to the shame of it. And I think, yes, mm-hmm. I can do things that make me feel like I am able to thrive in my life in a way that feels better for me. And for me, it's a lot of times like, you know, there's a diagnosis of dysthemia that is like, um, within it's like, Mm -hmm. it's a, like a low level depression Depression. that like basically like, I think like 99% of like African-Americans are like have dysthymia because it is depressing to live in a white supremacist society. Right. Um, and it's like, okay, so this is the diagnosis and I can make myself, wrong or shameful for having this diagnosis, or I can say both things are true. I need support for what I'm struggling with in terms of my mental health. And there's a lot about this effed up society Mm -hmm. that makes this not like a me, there's something wrong with me thing, but like there's something wrong with the world around me thing. Do you know what I mean? And I love the way Totally. Totally. And it's that thing of like, you know, is the way we frame a diagnosis, like I mean, if we're going to think of something as being inherently negative, which I know you're not suggesting, then it will feel negative. But for Mm. me, I was like, oh my God, like it was empowering to go like, there's a reason 
why this stuff is so hard. Like one of the, and this is kind of going back a little bit, but when I was a kid, I lied a lot. Like as a kid and as a young adult, I lied a lot. I didn't know why, you know, I lied about things I didn't need to lie about that whole thing. And as an adult, I have always kind of been like, I want, I don't understand why I did that. And I was like, I want to try and understand why I did that because I don't want my kids to feel like they have to do that and blah, blah, blah. And then I found out that I had ADHD and I read ADHD 2.0 and like lying as a kid is like a part of impulsivity and it's like magical thinking. Like I wish this thing were true. And so I just act as though it is. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And then so when my child who has ADHD you know, quote unquote lies, I can kind of go like, they'll, they'll like, they'll lie or say something that's not true. And then they'll say it was an accident. And I'm, you know, initially I'm like, it's not an accident. Like you said it, but Mm -hmm. what they mean is I didn't mean to, like, I didn't mean to say that. And then I said it and then it was said, and then you have to stick to it until you die. Right. So that understanding of like lying in kids with ADHD can be impulsivity. And it it just made me feel like more compassionate towards myself rather than being like, what is wrong with me? I was like, oh, I know what's wrong with me. It's this. (laughs) So I I just found it personally validating because it's not all in your head and it's not just you're not trying hard enough. It's like, this is really extra hard for you. And I found that very helpful. Yeah. I really appreciate you speaking to that, Martha, because I think, you know, there are ways that, as Vanessa said, within depth psychology, we are slow to pathologize and absolutely grateful that we have a DSM and we have a way to diagnose things that are going on. Um, But I think that's the flip side of what a diagnosis can offer that I feel like maybe we don't speak to enough that there can be a deep exhale and like understanding myself in a way that I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it honestly, like when I, you know, cause I had the appointment with the GP in a zoom and I came back out into the kitchen and my husband, David was there and I was like, John thinks I have ADHD. And David was like, and then he kind of like, look, we looked around the kitchen and like every vegetable and plate and dish that I had used to make my lunch two and a half hours before was all still there. And because I just forget things disappear right? They disappear from my brain when I'm not in the same room as them. And David was like, that kind of makes sense, right? And and so I was like, oh my God, like I actually felt seen and I didn't think, oh, this is a bad thing. I was just like, oh my God, thank Beyonce, there's a reason, right? <laughs> and now I can make a path to try and like improve some of these these things that I'm feeling. Yeah. I think that the way that we're talking about this in like the yes and is really important because I think exactly how you said it earlier, it's like, yes, the system is fucked and we all need to actively participate in dismantling the system. And also in the meantime, I would like to not be as feeling crazy as I do. Right. And I, in particular, like I personally resonated so much and I feel like I'm like laughing at what you're saying so often, not because I'm laughing at you, but more I'm laughing at myself because I I find so 
much comparison. And it wasn't again Mm -hmm. until I had a child that I was like, I am losing my ever loving mind and I don't understand what's going on. And yes, motherhood is ridiculous in our society and it should not be this hard. And also I know that I can be a better mother than this and it's not working. Like all of my tools are not working. They, I keep Mm -hmm. trying and I keep changing it and I keep trying to pivot and I keep, and it's nothing is working and I feel like a failure and I feel like a piece of shit and that's not okay. Right. I don't want to feel that Mm. way because I know that I'm not, but I continue to feel that way. And I think so many mothers have come to me expressing very similar things. Um, yeah. One of the things I'm actually, I'm actually currently writing a book myself right now and I have found recent research and I have to dive into it more. So I can't like speak as an expert on this, but they're doing research now yeah. where there's like this Venn diagram, right? Of like ADHD, particularly in women, ADHD spectrum, autism spectrum disorder and quote unquote gifted, right? And where mm. kind of those traits and what would filter into those three kind of areas in the Venn diagram how there's overlap there too. And I just, I have the research hole that I've got into has just absolutely blown me open into a place of self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even been formally mm-hmm. diagnosed yet, but I know for a fucking fact <laughs> that I would be, should I go? Um, and I just want to say thank you. Like, thank you for speaking to it in that way. Because even as somebody like myself, who does come from a depth psychology background and does so often strive to hold these things in the way that I I expressed, right? Which is like, they're here to serve some purpose. Like they're here to tell us something about our environment. There there is still a lot of exhale that comes from, and also by understanding it in this way, it it feels really fucking good and it can be helpful to me and to my family. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is completely, it is completely impossible to go I'm living in this society that is designed to make, you know, me and lots of people feel shitty and there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. Right? Like you can't change the society by yourself today right now. All you can do is change, you know, the way you understand why it's challenging for you and then the things you decide to do to kind of um change your environment so that it is more, you know, um, like restorative or whatever you need for you. And, and like I have in the, since the beginning of the year, I've changed the way that I work. So I'm a copywriter and I used to have a lot of projects kind of on at the same time, these long projects and you know, when things go on and on, like Vanessa, I think you'll feel this, but like, you know, if you're doing something and you get like the hard bit done, it, can it be yep. quite hard to finish the rest of it? Yeah. So, Unless so like, oh, it's I get the whole, and then, and then suddenly yes. I'm like, and I can get it all done in an hour. Yeah. Oh my God. You, um, welcome. You have ADHD. Um, but it's like, That was really difficult for me. So I created this service called Hyperfocus Weeks where like we do the whole thing in one week Mm. and it's like, it's better for the client, whatever, but it's better for me because I'm like, this project starts on a Tuesday and finishes on a Tuesday. So if I hate this topic, which I don't hate any of my clients, obviously, or if I'm not particularly interested or whatever, the dopamine is there because of the deadline. And I always get it done. 
Like even last, a couple of weeks ago, it was my birthday and I needed to take Friday off and my kids were homesick on Tuesday. So instead of like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which I would normally work on a project, I had Wednesday, Thursday, and I got it done because that is the amount of time I had, right? So I've changed the entire way I work to A, be good for the customers, but really to work for me. And I feel so much less stressed because like ADHD burnout is real. Like any burnout is real, but ADHD burnout is a real thing and it can take weeks to get out of. So my whole thing is let's not be burnt out. Yes. And I want to jump on that because for years leading up to probably about a year ago, I used to always talk about this in terms of internally versus externally motivated. And I would talk to clients I'm just about thinking this. That a lot. About you. Yeah. And so I always looked at myself as, okay, maybe I am an externally motivated person because I did kind of grow up in the corporate sphere. I did a really, you know, I was in advertising for 10 years in New York City doing the grind, yada, yada. And so I kind of like learned how to work in deadlines and stress and all the things. And now that I'm working for myself and it's very different, I'm really struggling. And so there was many conversations I had with clients around that, right? And so, for example, even like working out. And for those listening, I'm going to give you like some of the little tips that we learn in order to function in our society, right? So with working out, yeah, I want to go work out every day. I love working. I love moving my body, but I would have a really hard time getting there. Not for lack of desire, but for lack of my day got away from me. I've got a lot of shit to do that I should have done two hours ago and I didn't for whatever reason, right? So what I did was way back in the day. Can, can I, I also to, say, can I yeah. also say there's also too many steps? Yes. Right. Yes. So to work, to, to work there. out, I don't know yeah. where you work out, but it's like get changed get out of the house, get to the gym, find my card, have my keys, all of those things like that is like cognitive load. So the yeah. the number of steps also. So if you're like, I'm just not going to go, you're like, oh, I've just like removed 11 okay, steps. That. And then it's like, well, so yeah, but then you, you feel do. bad. Sorry. I signed up for yeah. ClassPass and here's why I signed up for ClassPass. I don't know if you guys have that in Australia or not, but basically what it does is if you don't cancel minimum 12 hours before your ass gets charged $25, whether you go or not. And guess what was a really good motivator for me to go losing $25 for no no other reason than not getting my ass there. And so Mm -hmm. I started being able to say, okay, let me put these quote unquote external motivating forces onto myself in these areas so that I know I will get it done. So that was just an example of working mm-hmm. out, but I do that with making up mm. um, deadlines too, like with Instagram and social media. I will put something online and say, hey, this is going to be live in two weeks, even though I haven't started. Yeah. Because if I do that, Absolutely. I've got accountability yeah. and it forces me to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But this is the only way that mm-hmm. I can get things done. And I always thought it was because I was lazy, unmotivated. I don't have any internal or in- intrinsic motivation, right? And the more I've done this research, the more I'm reasoning, oh, oh no, this is just my strategies because that part of my brain has a really hard time with that motivation. Because you have an interest interest-based nervous system, right? That's another thing like associated with ADHD. So you, you are, you do want to go to the gym, but like the, the consequence is, okay, I lose $25 and I'm really interested in not losing $25, right? Yeah. So we do that. And, you know, the social media thing is like, 
you, yeah, I want to do it. I do want to do it. But like the thing that your brain knows to be more important at that time just takes precedence, right? So you are forcing the deadline so that you become interested. And like that is kind of what has worked for, for me with my, this hyper-focused service. But because the way that I used to do it is I would have like a two week block and I'm like, I want to get these things done in the two weeks. And then if I didn't get those things that, you know, two of those things done or whatever, I would feel awful about myself. And I've got this amazing friend, mentor, co-working buddy, just she's amazing. And she said to me, you know, your brain knows what's important. Like, and your brain knows what's important because you know that things are never late. You know that you always get the things done. So she's like, trust your brain. And it's like, mm. so instead of going, I'm lazy, I'm unmotivated, I don't care, I can't, da, da, da. I started going, well, I trust my brain. And my brain actually knows the real deadline. And my brain knows that we need to do this thing. And that was a real shift for me because all of those lazy, unmotivated, blah, blah, blah. Like those are all the words that people kind of throw at people who have ADHD. And like, if you're like me and like you, you know, being called lazy and unmotivated is like unthinkable because you're the opposite of that. that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're doing all the things. Mm, So that's why you internalize. Like if I were trying harder, I could do it. I need to try harder. And like, that's just an impossible situation to be in. So it's just like giving yourself some grace, like some Mm self-compassion. And and for me, having a diagnosis and an understanding of like my brain has led to a little bit more self-compassion. I'm still very hard on myself, but like Mm -hmm. we're, we're working on it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I gotta be honest. I'm like, you know, when you're like sitting, listening to something a little bit dumbstruck and I think I am because Martha, like Vanessa is my best friend and there's a lot of ways that I have experienced her in the world and the ways that we process things a little bit differently that are making a lot of sense as you're describing it. And sometimes I will feel like, I feel like you just don't really want to do this or like, this isn't your jam or you're not interested in it. And just tell me if that's how you feel. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm understanding it's like, not that she doesn't have the desire to be in this thing with me. It's the way that I'm processing the process is maybe a little bit different than the way I'm processing the process. So I, I just... actually feel like a bit of cry right now. <laughs> well, and because, and the, the other thing I think is like when, and this isn't like anything, I'm not the way, the thing that you just said, Danae is absolutely valid. But when you might say, I feel like you don't want to do this that would be devastating for Vanessa because she's like, I don't want Danae to think I don't want to do this. I love Danae so much. I love our podcast. I love everything we do together. I need to be better. So she doesn't think that I don't want to do it. And so it's because there's like this rejection sensitive dysphoria as well, where, you know, feeling misunderstood, feeling like, you know, your friend. And I just actually, I'll just like full disclosure. Last year had a very significant friend breakup with a friend who was like my best friend for 15 years. And as I become unmasked, she has been very uncomfortable with it and just couldn't handle it. And we, she doesn't want to be my friend anymore. Right. So I think from Vanessa's perspective and correct me if I'm wrong, Vanessa, but that thing of like, I just, I need Danae to know that this is so important to me and I'm trying really hard 
and and like that you know acknowledgement from from you Danae of like okay you know it's not that she doesn't want to do it we just have these very different brains right would it does that sound spot yeah, on I, Vanessa I, I'm I'm thinking how often I'll say things like and not just to you Danae but to like John or whoever's listening where I'm like there's so often where like I want to do all these things and I'm doing all these things. And then I'm like, I just want to go lay in a bed of fucking wildflowers and do none of the things. Everybody mm. leave me alone. Nobody talk to me. Leave me the fuck alone. And I've never understood yeah. like why I do this like wild swing back and forth and back and forth. Yes. Even relationally, you know, I love you. Yeah. I want to be with yeah. you. I want to be around you. Oh my God. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. You're too much. I hate you. Like this is yeah. my poor partner. You know, it's like whoosh, whoosh, yeah. whoosh. Yeah. And yeah. I think so much of this is it's hard for people to, of course, it's hard to understand that, right? If that is just not the way that yeah. your brain processes things. Um, yeah. And you're going to take it personally, and then I'm going to take it personally. And then this is where we have so many of these, these, um, you know, fallouts. Well, and like, and if Danae thinks I don't want to do this, she's going to leave and not want to do this, mm -hmm. right? Is, is where I go to. Well, it's a lot of abandonment, and, right? I think that I yeah, think there yeah. is a huge fear of that. And I mean, I think we can talk about that yeah. obviously in a lot of other ways too. I mean, you've got attachment, you've got this, you've got that. But I think what I'm starting to understand and having this conversation is like really kind of opening my eyes is that actually the neurodivergency, the way the brain actually works, there is a hypersensitivity to abandonment. There's a hypersensitivity mm -hmm. oh, God. to rejection yeah. that actually isn't yeah. the same level of sensitivity to that, that people with yeah. Without nerd, you know, people who are more, um, yeah. oh my God, my brain. Neurotypical. Okay. Neurotypical. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. Don't experience it in the same way, I guess. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, you know, my, a, a good friend of mine, when I said I have ADHD, she's like, you know, one of these friends who's just like, okay. And I, she's like, well, I want to know about this. What do I do? And I was like, get this book. ADHD 2.0, read it. And she did. And like that, it was just like the most affirming thing for me because like then when I'm doing my ADHD thing, she's like, oh yeah, that, there it is. Um, so that book, ADHD 2.0 is amazing. There's also another book called, um, Your Brain's Not Broken by Dr. Tamara Rossier, which is so good. Um, and I've kind of like, you know, I sent ADHD 2.0 to like my parents and like, mm -hmm. I got my husband to read it and kind of, and because it just like, I think I spend a lot of time now that I do like a little bit of this advocacy work trying to explain it, which is, I'm happy to do generally, but it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So to have the people closest to you to not have to explain it is really helpful. Right. So that, that action. Yeah. That my friend took was like really helpful. And part of the, you know, the reason that that other friendship, I think didn't, you know, fell apart was I was trying to be seen by her. I wanted her to understand the, I feel like a completely different person since I have been diagnosed with ADHD. I understand myself more. I understand you know, the ways that I was masking in like social situations. I understand like a lot of that stuff. And I was trying to get my friend to see me, not even so that 
like to excuse like whatever, what she perceived as bad behavior, but so that my friend, my close friend could understand what I now know about myself. And, you know, now maybe I'm like, oh, maybe I was trying to tell her too much or whatever it was, but just being seen by people, even if they're sometimes like, I don't, you know, it, it was a bit frustrating how this happens, but like, I get it. You're not, it's not because you don't want to do it. It's because like, this is hard for you makes such a big difference and allows like, I think us to be more compassionate with ourselves too. I mean, I'll be honest. I feel like I am, I feel emotional. I feel really grateful because I feel like there are a lot of times that, you know, um, I just, I haven't understood. And I think you are, I'm sure going to, um, help so many people be supportive of, of people in their lives in ways that they maybe haven't been because they haven't understood. And I, you know, I feel like I owe you an apology, babe, because I know for sure there are times that I haven't, I'm like, I'm getting emotional because I know there are times that I haven't been super yeah. supportive of like, I see it sometimes as like perfectionism or like, there's yeah. just like a, like the pressure and I'm like, oh my God, settle down. Like, I feel like I've yeah, been dismissed times. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry for that, you know, cause I, I don't think I understood. And I think there are a lot of ways that like you've held, I'm like, I have crying um, episode. <laughs> you've held. So I'm good guys. Time. I'm good. I did all my crying during my Ted talk. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah. Danae, keep going. <laughs> no, but it's like that thing of like V carries a lot and makes it look like it's not heavy. And, mm. um, I feel like I'm really tapping into what that has been like for you, you know, and it's making me feel a lot of, um, grief and just like sadness that I didn't understand, you know? Um, so I'm Thank really you. grateful that you came on Martha if for no other reason than to help me understand my friend a little bit more. Well, actually what you're saying is, is feels like a little bit healing for me also, even though my friend has not said any of those words, but like, that's what I, that's, what I would have loved to have heard from my friend, right? Like you've just acknowledged a thing and it's not like, you know, you know this, but it's about learning the the correct way and then trying to do the correct way as much as you can, right? It's not about being perfect. It's not about any of us being perfect, but it's about learning new information and then adjusting the way we think or behave, which, you know, I think is applicable to so many different parts of our lives, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, now I know partly <laughs> well, why yeah. the universe sent you to us, honestly. We I did mean, not I expect think... this to be such an emotional episode. <laughs> You're like, yes, my work. I bring it out in people. I bring it out in people, ladies. Okay, but Vanessa, I have a couple of questions for you. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Because like you said something a minute ago that I think was really like universal, right? Where you're like, I want to do all these things. And then sometimes I want to just like lie in a thing of flowers and like not talk to anybody. So, you know, my, the, the thing that I told myself before I was diagnosed with ADHD is I am an extrovert. I'm really good at interacting with people. I'm really good at talking and blah, 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 blah. And it's easy for me. And like, it is right. I enjoy talking. I enjoy having this conversation. And also it takes work and it takes, you know, 
anxiety in the lead up and then afterwards and like, did I talk too much? Should I say, should I have said this? Did I sound too North American? Did I like, you just like asking as I live in Australia and, you know, and, and, you know, was I too much? Was I too busy? Did I say too much? Did I not ask enough questions? Did I not ask this friend about this thing? Blah, 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 blah. And so that is like, that was my job was like social convener. And I behaved as though that didn't have a cost to me. And it does, excuse me, it does. So when you kind of go, okay, like I'm going to go and do this social thing. And then when I get home, I have to lie down in a dark room for 20 minutes and that's fine. Right. Or I'm going to go do this social thing. And after that, I need to like be under a weighted blanket. Like, so you know, we have all these things for our kids, like weighted blankets and sensory swings. And like, I am in that sensory swing more than anybody, <laughs> right? Amazing. Like, it's just, it's so, oh my, you have to get one. <laughs> it is the most, it's like being in the womb. Like you're just like this cozy <laughs> little bug. But like, I know that, I know now that like this thing that I do that I'm good at is a thing, but it also has a cost. And so it's like building in like, okay, let's try and have some quiet time and like not be beating ourselves up because we need quiet time. Like it's only a bit, my kids are six and 11 and only in like the past month have I been like, um, I'm putting the TV on in the morning and I'm going to let them watch TV so I can sleep in until nine o'clock because I have ADHD and I have delayed circadian rhythms and getting up early is not like a moral victory, right? Like, so I am accepting this thing about myself and not going, if you were better, you would get up earlier. I'm going, I am wired to get up later and stay up later. And that is a morally neutral trait about me. So if my kids need to watch TV or play the GD Nintendo Switch that we just got (laughs) for my son's birthday. And I'm like in a shame spiral about it. That's fine. Hmm. You know, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Yeah. Well, you're pretty much just describing my entire life. So awesome. Um, (laughs) And you know what? This is- We need to be friends. I want to give you a big hug. (laughs) You a hug too. You know, I will say too, like, I think this is also- and I, I want to be respectful of your, of your time. I, I also think this is part of like, so the book that I'm writing is all around, it started from this concept of being touched out. And it was really a nervous system overwhelm thing that I found myself in yeah. constantly. But this is what led me down this rabbit hole of ADHD. And also just realizing that when you have little kids, there's no such thing as quiet time. There's no such thing as a reprieve, right? And so all of these things that you've built into your life up until that point to give yourself that nervous system down regulation don't exist anymore, right? And so it it's me thinking, oh, you know, again, there's something wrong with me as a, as a parent, right? That I don't want my kid mm. to touch me or that I don't want my parent or my partner to touch me. But it's just mm. so affirming when you start to understand, no, this is actually the way that you're wired, right? Um, Sensory overload. You're, you're, you're overloaded. You like, you know, I go to this Pilates class and the teacher has the loudest voice in Australia. Um, And she says, um, this is going to sound mean, but like, I do kind of a pretty good Australian accent. She's got like quite a broad one. And she goes, inhale, exhale, like that. 
And it's like, I'm like twitching. So I got some of those loop earplugs and I wear them to Pilates so my eardrums aren't assaulted and I can still go and do this thing that I enjoy, right? It's like the loud, the bright. My youngest child is very, like moves around a lot. Explode, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> And so it's like these things that that your body needs are valid and like yeah. do them. And 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 the other thing I want to say is like the ways that you used to get a reprieve are now not are not not only more difficult because you have a child, but they're also like uh more shameful because you shouldn't need a break from your kid. So, yeah. you know, before, when it's like, oh my God, it's the weekend, I'm going to sleep until noon. It's like, oh, look at you, footloose and fancy free, whatever. And now it's like, you're the worst mother in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you still need to sleep in sometimes. Like you still need to be alone sometimes. And I find personally like doing, you know, respecting those things about myself, like wearing the earplugs if I need to, or like having a thousand fidget toys everywhere or whatever it is, means that again, that fills my bowl of resilience a little bit. So I think it gives me a little bit more in the tank for when like something happens and I need to kind of respond appropriately. The other thing I do is um, internal family systems therapy, which like, I mean, I know you guys are a bit woo-woo. I'm not particularly (laughs) woo-woo, right? And I say that with love. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I cannot believe how helpful um, IFS has been for me. Mm -hmm. I just it like because I've done in the past. I've done like what's the one um, CBT? CBT. They that and I used to try and do that before I knew I had ADHD. And it's like just interrupt the thought, just interrupt it. And I'm like. talking about you crazy you do so much yeah it's not for you it's not for you and so then like I did like some depth are you guys the depth therapy with like the beeps or yeah so I did that no what is it what is your thing EMDR is that what you're talking about so the beeps were like an EMDR thing the woman that I went to before said we're going to do depth therapy And we did this thing where I had headphones on and there was a beep in each ear, beep, beep, beep. And she said, you know, we came up with like a fundamental prompt. And she was like, what thoughts, feelings, images, or emotions are you noticing? This kind of thing. And you kind of went through this whole process that I was like, holy, right? Mm -hmm. And then I really wanted to talk about IFS. And so I went to another therapist after, you know, finishing up with her. Cause I'm like, I want to, fi- I not want to fix myself, but I'm like, I just feel like I want to feel as good as I can. But the IFS thing, holy dooly, like just understanding that there are like the, the responses that I have are like, you know, parts of me that are finding this thing really difficult. And like, you can just talk to that part. Like it's, my little six-year-old kid and like validate that part. And then it kind of calms down a bit. Mm -hmm. It's the, it has helped me so much. So, you know, yeah, just doing that kind of work and, and doing it with an understanding of like what your brain is like Mm -hmm. is 
good because like CBT just feels like another failure. Cause it's like, mm. I mean, it's cute that you think I can interrupt the thought, but like, that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm legit speechless. I could, I'm like, seeing your face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching you There's make all these so many things that you are describing that I feel like Vanessa has spoken about struggling with or feeling flooded or overwhelmed. And I've kind of like, I don't know. I just, I, V, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know what to but say. But Danae, can I, can I say this also? Like, so as I said, or I don't know if I said this, my mom is a retired school principal. Okay. So when you're a retired school principal and your 39 year old daughter calls you on FaceTime from fucking Australia, that's what my dad calls it. She's And tells you that, you know, her doctor has told her that she has ADHD. I think as a retired principal, my mom was like feeling badly about that, you know, that maybe she missed it or she didn't notice. And I, was like, I, I don't feel like you missed anything, that you didn't notice anything. Like, I didn't know, you didn't know, now we know. So like, let's just go with this knowledge now. Yeah. And like, I'm, you know, I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad, mom. I'm telling you this because it's like a truth about me. Yeah. And like, I am happy that I know this. Like, would it have been helpful to know before? Probably, but I'm also very lucky in that I'm not uh, like a lot of people with ADHD kind of go, imagine what I could have achieved or imagine, you know, there's like a grief. And I don't feel like that because I've done fine mm -hmm. because of the circumstances that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel that same grief, but like, you know, it wasn't going to be helpful for my mom to be like, oh, I can't believe I missed it. And woe is me. It was just like, mm -hmm. nobody missed it. Yeah. Like, just don't miss it now. Yeah. No, I mean, and, yeah. and listen, I, I feel like I'm just like having memories of like pistachios in grad school. Oh my God, today like, I was sitting here thinking, oh my God, one of our good friends in grad school who we love very dearly who passed away, that's the oh. exact memory that just popped to my mind. I was like, oh my God, Darren, it? if only I could tell you, he was sitting behind me in one of our classes and we're like paying attention. And all of a sudden I was like looking around going, who the fuck is eating pistachios right now? And I turned around and he's like pistachio mid, mid bite. And he's cracking the fucking shells as we're in the middle of a class. And I almost lost my ever loving mind. That is a personal attack, Vanessa. I like, do you feel the same way about like chewing noises? Honestly, like I will look at my husband, like, like I will a crazy you. woman. And he's just like, I. Like I'm just eating. So it, you know, you're like, what's happening in that class is like, you have too much attention and you hear everything. You see everything. You feel everything. Your clothes, you feel every like tag and bra strap and wool. And like, sometimes you just, it's awful, but it's because you can't regulate what you need to pay attention to, which is the lecture, not the pistachios. Um, but that's, yeah, like that kind of thing is just so, um, when you get it, it's like, oh, that makes sense. I'm not weird. I just have a very sensitive nervous system. And like, this guy is eating the loudest food in the world. Oh, Darren. <laughs> and you're supposed to be the one with the problem. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I, I get that.
Thank I you. I love it. Well, I feel like back again. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have a lot more questions, but, um, first of all, I'll just go get ADHD 2.0 and (laughs) read for myself and get some information. So thank you for the resources as well. Mm -hmm. No Um, problem. I'm very happy to come and talk to you two again. This has been very fun. You can be with me on my journey. Yeah. Next and time we'll bring my partner in and we'll make him sit here. We'll be like, okay, now we're going to talk about this. Well, it's, I just, I have to say this about partners. Like, so my husband, David is an angel in the universe, right? He's just the most lovely person in the whole wide world. And when we were, you know, and my mom even was like, you would be dead if it wasn't for David. And I'm like, I know, like we would have no food. Like it would just, he does a lot of the executive functioning in our house which is because we have an equitable relationship and neither of us think that because I'm the woman, I should do those jobs, mm-hmm. which is a serious part of this que- this point. But I was like, when I first was figuring it out, I was like, do you wish like that you knew this before? Or like, do you feel ripped off? And he's like, you've always been like this. Like, I love you. Like, I, it's not like this is a surprise. You've, you've always had these kind of quirks and, and I love that. And I love you. Right. So it's, it's really important. Like for, if you do have a partner that our partner really needs to also understand this and, you know, cause my, my husband, you know, he'd go, but sometimes he'd be like, I feel like she's like forgetting this on purpose or like, she's, you know, not doing it on purpose. And he would kind of take that as, you know, insulting or whatever. And now he's like, oh, it's not that she's, you know, not doing it on purpose. Like she's forgotten because of this reason, or she's Mm -hmm. hyper-focused and it's hard for her to stop. Or like if I'm in the middle of something and he comes in and I'm like, what? (laughs) And he's like, okay, that's not about me, right? That is, it's very difficult to switch tasks and that's what's going on there. So yeah, getting them on board and like for the listeners, if you're a person who has ADHD and you have a partner that makes you feel like shit about it, you got to kick them to the curb because like you, that is like the ultimate self care Mm -hmm. is to not be with a person who takes your like a, a neurological condition that you have and uses it against you. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. So yeah, I don't know. That was just my soapbox moment. Everybody should just read ADHD 2.0. <laughs> Done. Wow. Well, Martha, we have a lightning round of questions that we ask all of our guests. Oh my God. So we have some questions for you. <laughs> no pressure. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> we have um, an editor. Remember. <laughs> love that editor. The first one is, um, who have been your greatest teachers, mentors, or people who have impacted your journey, either people you've known or their work has really impacted you? Um, well, I mean, I've talked about those two books. Those two books have been really, really impactful for me. And then the, the sort of friend mentor that I told you about is, is, has, is just such an important person to me and has kind of really helped me to realize that like, you know, it's okay to, like I said, learn something about yourself and then like try to make the absolute best of, of what you can with self-compassion. So just that, that friendship has been really useful for me too. But yeah, there's those two, those two like really, you know, science-based books about ADHD have, have helped me a lot and and made me feel really validated and and that 
yeah, I think has been the most helpful thing. So the next question we always ask is around this concept of flow. And I'm even actually more curious now with the ADHD component, but what does that mean to you? What is flow? When do you find yourself in flow, right? When are you able to kind of attain that state? It's really interesting because I was having a conversation yesterday on my podcast, the one that works for you. Um, we were talking okay. about, yeah, we were talking to a lawyer and she's on the autism spectrum and she was talking about getting in flow. And I was like, so do you know when you're in flow or like, is it like afterwards you're like, Ooh, I was in flow. I, like mm-hmm. I kind of, I know that I get in flow you know, when I'm, when I'm writing and also when I'm, cause I do a bit of like emceeing and public speaking and stuff. And it's like, I know when this is going really well. Um, but it's, it's something that I, yeah, almost don't know until afterwards. Um, and sorry, was the question, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> you answered it. I mean, it's like, when do you find it? Right? Okay, like, great. What is that for you? And so, yeah. So yeah. Writing. Yeah, that writing when I'm with friends and like having a really good time, I, I get in flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, when I know, you know, there's a bit of time here, I'm not going to be interrupted. I don't have I'm not stuck in wait mode because I have an appointment in four hours. Like I can just get into this. I, yes. yeah, that's how I do it. Love it. Well, and what breaks your heart? You know, what breaks my heart the most? I mean, well, a lot of things, listen, a lot of things break my heart. I'm a very emotional person, but the thing that I really have a hard time with the most at the moment is like, you know, when you're in like the shopping center and there's a little family and the child is really dysregulated and crying and upset and the parent is probably dysregulated And I'm like, oh my God, that kid just needs to go home and lie down. And this is not like a judgment thing, but I, I really notice in the world around me how much emotional dysregulation there is and like how much we gaslight kids about their emotions. Like I was in the shops the other day and this, this mom, and again, this is like no shade on her. She's going through it obviously as well, but was like her daughter was four or something and crying about something. And her mom was like, you're choosing to do this. You're choosing this. And I was just like, I was like about to start crying because it's like that it's, you know, that little girl is struggling. You're the grown up, And I just really, it hurts me when, you know, I think that like those, those refrains, you're choosing this or you're always doing this. Like those become like our inner voice as adults. And, and I know I've, probably said things to my kids that are not the best, but, and I know I've only just seen that woman for two minutes, but that like emotional dysregulation, when you can just see like this kid just needs something. And instead of giving, trying to figure out what that is, we're just going, just dismissing it. That makes me really sad. Yeah. I feel that. Okay. Sorry. That was a bummer. No, it's, it's, we asked the question for a reason. The final question is the not bummer question, which is what is your favorite food? Oh, the dog wants to answer. Sorry, I have two dogs. <laughs> um, I don't care that much about food, to be honest. Um, I like, I like it. I hate cooking, but my, if I'm 
trying to feed myself, my favorite food is like what is available and easy. So I'm like, my favorite food is cereal. <laughs> I, mean, that's um, I love cereal. <laughs> but yeah. But I mean, I guess, you know, I, I just, I like things, but I just don't have any like, oh my God, I would die for this thing. Like there are a lot of people that like live in a different country and it's like, oh my God, what's the food that you miss for? And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I just, I'm like, what am I eating? Is this ready? Great. I'll just eat it. <laughs> but I'm, I guess I like sort of, I don't even know. I don't even know what I like. I just like things that are given to me and easy. <laughs> that is yeah, a whole right. category okay, of answer that. in itself. Yeah. <laughs> is that, that relatable? To me, it is. Not I mean, to me. Yeah. Like I am like, <laughs> you are a person I do not understand. Yeah. Okay. I'm a tourist. Yeah. I like all, the, all the sensations. <laughs> I'm also a tourist. I'm really sorry about my dogs. But I love to just what we're going to do. I know. Not a well, Korean trait, not like food, by the way. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's not like I don't like it. But honestly, if I didn't, if I was like, I can just be satiated all the time, well, I'd yeah. be like, let's do that. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just do that thing because other, that, that way I don't have to find something. Like I will go, it's almost lunchtime and I'm like, I guess I'm going to have peanut butter and banana again because I'm a five-year-old. Like, because like, that's what's on the counter. <laughs> and people are like, make some vegetables. And I'm like, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, we could hang, Martha. You need to. Oh, like, God. Like her. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, your, like, what's your thing, Danae? What's your I'm, easy food? I'm very similar. I feel like someone has made it for me. Um I don't have like really, I love desserts more than I love food, mm. to be honest, like mm -hmm. some chocolate and stuff like that, but not so much like okay. know, when I play with her mac and cheese, I'm like, yeah, I mean, mac and cheese is great. I don't like dream about it, but. Yeah. Like, I don't hate mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll I, I will open our pantry and I'll be like, we don't have anything. And David's like, we have lots of stuff. And I'm like, all of this is ingredients. Like, I just want food. Those are two different things. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I'm sorry, Vanessa. Yeah. We can oh, be soul sorry. sisters in other ways. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> listen, it works for me and Danae. We're very different in that Absolutely. way too. So. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, all jokes aside, Martha, I just really want to thank you. I feel like you have... Um, given me a lot of insight into how to love someone that I love so much, maybe a little bit better than Aww. I have been. And um, I know that I'm not the only one who's going to like hear what you said in this episode and have that response. And I think that there's a lot of ways that we can really miss what someone is going through if we just don't understand. So thank you yeah. for, for bringing um, such really, really important information into my life and the lives of everyone listening. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad that it was helpful. And thank you very much for having me. Yes. And Vanessa, like, if you want to chat ADHD, just hit me up. <laughs> I'm sure you're like, I am so sick of talking about it, but I will definitely hit you up. No, I don't make that offer to everyone. Okay. Well, that, that makes me feel better. How, how do we, how do we find yeah. you? Like how, if our listeners want to connect with you, whether it's around the advocacy component or the copywriting component as well, like, why don't you tell us where that can happen? Yep. Um, my website is wordcandy.com.au. Um, I'm on Instagram at wordcandycoms, C-O-M-M-S. And I'm on LinkedIn, which is just Martha Barnard Ray. Um, I'm also working on a book 
Um, so I have, it is related to ADHD. So there's a, I've got a little like thing on my links page. If people want to sign up for email updates, which will be few and far between, um, about that, but it is related to ADHD. Um, so yeah, it's all kind of, it's all there. Love it. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, we will be having you back. So prepare. (laughs) Thank you, Martha. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com